Happy lunch hour to you and yours. It is 12.01 p.m. on Monday, August 28th. I'm hoping that I delayed long enough. Yesterday, or last time I did a quick cast, I kind of tripped on myself because I started off and there's a bit of a delay, a bit of latency. Uh, but um, yeah, I think, I think I got it. I think I nailed it. I hope you're doing well. Um, you've probably seen this, but Purdue's depth chart has been released. Uh, Coach Walt has uh, put the depth chart out there, had his first pregame game week presser. It was about, what, 12 minutes long, 13 minutes long. Uh, some good stuff. I had some good takeaways from it, so I'll talk about that today. Also want to talk a little bit about what's coming uh, tonight. Uh, as you know, we are now going to a weekly handsome hour schedule. Hopefully, uh, should be right around 9 p.m. if my internet plays along. Um, I, I think it. I think it should be okay. I think my metro net should be okay. Yeah, I hope it's not moody because uh, I had problems last week, and and Jay and Anish held it down for about half the show before I was able to jump in. Uh, many of you made fun of me for having metro net. Still recovering from those comments, Dylan. Um, but uh, yeah. We're starting a new week, and it's exciting because it is game week. It's officially Purdue football game week, and with Purdue football season comes, of course, the official sponsorship. I told you we've been talking about our sponsors for a little bit, but now we can officially talk about them. It's not just like us bragging about some companies we like. Of course, the shirt I'm wearing is uh, from our friends at Homefield Apparel. Head over to homefieldapparel.com, enter Boiled23 at checkout, get 15% off. You can have a shirt just like this. Uh, this is a good one, in my opinion, the classic Block P. Um, but uh, it's also Homefield Apparel's fifth birthday, everybody. I don't know if you got them anything. Um, but, uh, yeah, they're five years old. Uh, it's pretty neat. Pretty neat uh, landmark or uh, date to reach for a, for a new small company. They're based out of Indianapolis, like I said. Uh, head over, check them out. They have some really, really cool stuff. Um, we're happy to have them on. And of course, when you're on campus... Head over to AJ's, uh, AJ's on Vine, um, eatajs.com. If you go there before, order yourself a couple things. And then when you're there, get yourself a, a pint on draft. They have tons to choose from. I think over 20 um, burgers, beef, beer. That's AJ's, eatajs.com. Um, I am excited in the longer view. I have a game this season that I'm prepared to. I'm going to be on campus on a Friday night. Go over to AJ's, watch some football, hang out there for a little bit. Can't wait. Uh, can't wait. I love that place. Um, love the ownership. Staff's great. You should enjoy, enjoy it, too, if you haven't been there. So uh, let's talk a little bit about this presser. Let's talk a little bit about the depth chart. Um, let me do the depth chart first. I'll dive into that first. Um, you know what? Before I do that, let me make a comment on basketball. If you haven't been paying attention, Zach Eady is playing for the Canadian national team. He's not playing a ton of minutes. Um, Zach had like 16 in 16 minutes, I think he had 12 points. Or no, in 12 minutes, he had 16 points. Didn't miss a field goal. Had a couple gnarly dunks. Dude's doing what he does in college on the international stage, except he's doing it in very limited minutes. Canada's pretty darn good. They are rolling along. They're beating up on teams. I think that was versus Lebanon. Um, not Lebanon, Indiana. They're playing international teams, guys. Don't be silly. Um, but uh, they've looked very good, Canada has, and Zach has looked okay. He's averaging, I think, three to four minutes a game, even with the boost of minutes in that game. Um, so he's not uh, getting a ton of playing time, but it's kind of understandable. Those are men. Um, and he's, he's a big guy, but 
he's not 27 years old, 25 years old, whatever. Uh, international play is not what it was when I was a kid. But uh, that team is good. They look very, very good. They beat up on Germany, who I think was one of the favorites uh, in their pool. But anyway, um, let me talk a little bit about this depth chart. There were a couple surprises for me. The biggest surprise on Purdue's football depth chart was there is no Garrett Miller on the depth chart. And I, it sounds like this is something that was planned by the staff to give him another week to uh, uh, get up to 100%. Supposedly his, his rehab has been pretty good, um, pretty linear, and he's feeling good, according to his comments uh, after uh, post-practice comments, I think a week ago is when he was in front of the mic. But he's not on the depth chart. Uh, you have uh, an interesting tight end uh, situation there. The tight ends and the offensive line, um, that's, that's, that's a bag that we don't know what we're going to get. When you look at that, Gus Hartwig, I think, is out. Uh, that was another thing from that um, depth chart that was noteworthy. He's, he's still a bit dinged up. He's not dinged up. He's not injured severely. He, um, he was hurt a couple weeks ago in camp, and he's been in a, I don't know what color the injury jerseys are for this uh, era of Purdue football. But he's been a little dinged up, and he's not, he's not on the depth chart. That was, that was noteworthy to me. But Miller not being on there really got me because I think he's such a weapon. I think he's going to be so important to the air raid offense. Um, let's see, another one got me. Um, Marshawn Rice is behind Deion Burks on the depth chart. If you don't know Burks very well, it's okay because he didn't play a ton last season. But he's very fast, supposedly, according to Coach Walt, fastest guy on the team. But the really interesting thing to me is that I think Burks is a water bug type of guy. He's always looked interesting to me in the spring game type play. He's very fast. He'll... When um, uh, when Rondale was on campus, um, he run, reminded me a little bit of the, the skill set, right? The, the ability to quickly get up to speed like Moore. He's a lot lighter. He's a lot smaller guy. He's still pretty strong, but he's not Rondale Moore strong, who is. Uh, Coach Walt calls him, I think, a, a superhero or something like that. Uh, um, super uh, Action figure. Action figure. So, um, but the interesting thing to me is Rice is behind Burks on the depth chart, and that doesn't seem like the same position, a slot receiver and a bigger, more uh, possession-type receiver. Uh, that was noteworthy. Dylan Thieneman is starting at um, Purdue. What they do now is they have five DBs listed. They don't list um, corners and safeties, you know, strong safety, free safety. On the depth chart, it just says DB. And he is a um, – Dylan Thieneman is, is – Another great Purdue football family, uh, right up there with the Anthrops. Uh, but Thieneman is the is clearly looks the part, and he's playing the part of. Uh, I'd say he's probably the free safety if you're gonna get into old school terminology. But he's starting. Um, let's see. Uh, I already mentioned Hartrig. Uh, Abdul Rahman uh, Yassin is uh, is number is one number one of the number one receivers in that uh, crew there. That's a big deal. Um, I'm hoping he can stay healthy for a season because I think he can do huge things if given opportunity, given ample opportunity, which I think he'll get. Um, uh, one very noteworthy thing to me was Meredith was still the number two QB in spite of that DUI that had been released in sort of a haze or a fog. It, you may have heard about it, and um, it's real. It happened, but there's really little media coverage of it, which is incredible to me. I don't know how that happens. But Meredith's still number two. They said they were going to handle that and internally. Um, 
So I don't I don't know exactly what that means. Clearly, he's not suspended for the game one because he's on the depth chart as the second quarterback. Of course, after Hudson Card, Hud looks great. Um, Walters talks him up, says he's he has potential to be one of the best quarterbacks he's been around. He called him one of the best quarterbacks he's been around, um, and he's he's coached a lot of places. And he's had remember Illinois had two starting uh, former starting Big Ten quarterbacks on their roster at Illinois, um, so. That matters, uh, and Card is, I think he's in his fourth year out of high school, which is wild, and he still has three years of eligibility, three seasons of eligibility. This COVID-slash-transfer portal era we're in seems to extend guys' career so long. We're all for it right now, but if you watched any football in week zero this week, you saw a couple 25-, 26-year-old quarterbacks. I'm still not used to it. I still don't love it, um, but... I'm all for card stand uh, for at least it'd be great if we could have him for two seasons starting. Um, that'd be some great stability and what a way to start a football program having a guy like that. Um, let's see. Uh, no Zion Steptoe on the wide receiver st- uh, depth chart. I, I was hoping we'd see him there just because he's a really dynamic player. Uh, very quick. A lot like Burks. Um, then uh, Tyrone Tracy's the number two running back. Noteworthy if you haven't been paying attention because of his position switch from slot receiver over there. Of course, Maccabee's number one, then Tracy, then Downing in that group. And then um, Coach uh, Walters talked about uh, no red shirts being announced thus far. He says we got that four-game four grace period, and he's going to use it because he thinks, uh, I think he said something along the lines that uh, game action is the best teacher and the best gauge. Of course it is. I mean, there are some guys, we've heard these stories that either aren't great practice players or aren't great game or um crumble a bit under the pressure of the bright lights. Purdue will have lights, of course, many games. First, out of the first five, they have four games, 7 p.m. or later. First one, of course, Fresno State is a noon kickoff. Um, we'll talk a little bit more about Fresno State here in a second, but um, let's see. Uh, one big story, I think, if you're a Purdue fan, is Yanni Karloftis is is number one on the depth chart, and I think he's playing a they – they have different positional names. I think he's going to be a – uh, linebacker, defensive end uh, type, uh, blitzing um, end type guy. He's still lean, but supposedly he's, his strength is back. Um, he looks fast. That's great to see. He, remember, he had the hamstring issue from high school that he never quite got over, and so that's good to see. It's great to see. Um, another interesting thing I thought was Will Helt, uh, the true freshman out of Carmel. Is, uh, he's number two on the depth chart at his position. I think um, he's 6'6", 250. Uh, that's that's a large human being uh, right out of the uh, right out of the shoot. That was noteworthy. A couple other things. For, no, because so now I'll talk about the press conference specifically. Um, Coach Walt is excited uh, to come out of the tunnel with the team. Come out of the Tiller Tunnel with the team for the first time. They had a walkthrough. I think they called it a um, dress rehearsal or something, where it was like thud speed game. They came out in full uniform, offense, defense, ones versus ones, that sort of thing. Um, no chance to, to really go too hard where you uh, are putting anybody in danger. But it was pretty cool to see. If you've seen pictures, if you haven't, you can check our Twitter feed. Um, we retweeted some of that on, uh, I believe it was Friday night, Saturday morning, when those tweets came out. I don't know what you call tweets now, X's. Um, then some great quotes. I wanted to give you these in case you didn't have a chance to listen to the presser. Um, I thought these were good. Um, he said... Uh, Walter was talking about competitiveness, and somebody said he's so chill at this, uh, at the presser, and very laid back. And he said, "If I was playing Monopoly, I'd try to kick your butt, um, but we're not competing as a team yet." 
And I think the whole point was, you know, you don't need to be intense all the time. He expounded a bit about that idea. Um, he says he has competitiveness, but he also doesn't want to be stressed out all the time. Um, I think it's awesome. I think he's a laid back guy generally, but I think he's a fiery competitor. I think we're going to see it on the sidelines. Um, his history, of course, being a defensive back at Colorado and a noteworthy coach uh, should all come into play, should all be noteworthy to you guys. He had another great, uh, great set of quotes. Um, uh, he said, uh, I won't play, I'm not going to play freshmen just to appease them. Um, you play guys who have earned the time. And then he followed it up. He said, your spot is owned. It's not rented. And rent is due every day. I just loved that quote. I was like, man, that is, that's coach speak, but it's cool coach speak. His presser is a lot different than a Jeff Brom presser. He's actually telling things that are interesting. I tried to watch a, a Jeff Brom presser last week, and I don't think I shared this with you guys on a quick cast. Brom always had the most boring press conferences. We talked about it when he was Purdue's coach, but I tried to watch it an Illinois, or Illinois, a uh, Louisville uh, press conference with Brom, and don't know, I don't, don't ask me why I do things like that, but I just tried to see what it would be like, and I was like, man, I can't, this is like putting me to sleep, so I would say if you have a chance, watch a, a Walters press conference, it's different, everything's different, my brother uh, says this staff and Coach Walters are literally the exact opposite of the Jeff Brom staff in almost every way, and it really becomes apparent when you start really digging into this staff, how different things are. It's pretty crazy. One thing that's noteworthy, uh, Golden Black talked about this, about how much does the first game meet. And Diener called it a, a high-pressure game or an important win. Um, and then he kind of contradicted himself with uh, going through some of the coaches. And I thought I'd go through this with you guys. I think it's noteworthy. If you go back as far as I do as a Purdue fan, you might remember, um, like I can remember, Burtonette's era very well. Some of you might remember Young's era very well, and even further back. Of course, if you're in my my dad's age group, my uncle's age group, they they tune in sometimes. They remember uh, all the way back to Mollenkopf and maybe even before. Actually, yeah, you could remember before that if you're in your 70s. Um, but here's something interesting. I'm going to go just back to 1990 because I think that's uh, that gets a pretty wide swath of Purdue fans. A lot of you have already lost you just by saying 1990, um, but I remember this well because I was in high school. Um, I was on campus when Coletto had one of the worst teams in America. Of course, I remember Hazel's first season when Purdue probably was the worst football team in America. But I'm going to go through these first games, and you can draw your own conclusions of the importance or non-importance of that first game coming out and being a fully baked product, not a, uh, not a work in uh, progress, which I think this Purdue team especially is a work in progress. I think we need to keep that in mind. There are so many new parts, so many guys that did not play for Purdue, so many guys that didn't play together. The chemistry is an interesting thing in football. Guys really bond under pressure, and you can try to replicate that with you know Navy SEAL type training or whatever teams do, or camps or fights in camp, whatever, how guys come away from conflict. But games are what really do this. The jump from first game to second game might be noteworthy for this Purdue team. Number one, you're going to have a couple guys come to health that aren't ready for Fresno State. But also, um, that those games really do do a lot for, um, for a team's uh, cohesiveness. But let's go through this. 1990, Jim Coletto's first game was versus Washington. Uh, he lost. Uh, Joe Tiller, uh, that was in 1997. His first game was versus Toledo. He lost. 
they lost. And that game, to me, was so noteworthy because I had met Tiller in the spring of my senior year. I was an RA. He came to uh, Tarkington to speak. Um, he was great, super entertaining. I loved the guy. Coletto was not entertaining. Coletto was depressing when he heard him talk. He kind of had a whiny way about him. Tiller didn't have any of that, so it's kind of like the pendulum swinging. Um, wanted a new personality, and they got it. And then he lost Toledo, and I was like, oh my gosh, more of the same. And I... Uh, I can remember thinking, holy crap, we're into this again. And then the next week, what did what did Tiller do? Tiller beat Notre Dame. Quite a swing. And then Purdue, of course, had that, that season. Just went on an absolute tear. That was a great season. I think it was eight and... Well, they have nine wins. They, they, won, they won the bowl game beating Oklahoma State down in San Antonio. Um, but I think they had eight, eight regular season wins, eight and four. So maybe they finished nine and four. I think that's true. Um then you have the Hope era, starts against Toledo as well, just like Tiller, and Hope won. And on the Golden Black show, they talked about this. They said, do you remember the running back that ran for 238 yards? I do. It was Ralph Bolden. I don't think they ever answered it, but Ralph Bolden was coming off a red shirt season uh, with a busted ACL. He was out of Georgia. He was a very highly touted running back, and he Purdue got him probably because of that ACL. And then he just, man, he was awesome that game. I remember being at that game. He looked great. Um, uh, he didn't have the career that I was hoping for, but he's. I think he had to deal with injury again, of course, because he's a Purdue player. Uh, ACL back then was very trendy. Um, then you had the Hazel era begin. Um, Hazel's Boilermakers went to Cincinnati and uh, lost 42-0. to zero. And I was at the pep rally downtown Indianapolis before that, and I was stoked. Purdue, of course, beat one team that year. They beat Indiana State. Uh, and it took Ricardo Allen uh, heroics to make that happen. Um, and uh, Purdue won one game. It went 1-11. It's probably the worst Purdue team I can remember watching. Um, they were worse than that Coletto team my freshman year at Purdue in uh, the fall of 93. That team was horrendous, and this team was worse, I think. Um, and then, of course, Brom lost to Louisville. I was at that game as well. Sorry about the mic. That probably sounded horrible. I was at that game as well. That was downtown Indianapolis at the uh, oil can, Lucas Oil. Um, but that game was promising, right? Um, Purdue lost, but you have, you're playing um, uh, Lamar Jackson's uh, Louisville offense. They were, they were pretty stout. That team was filled with veterans, okay? And so now that leads us up to Purdue playing Fresno State. And if you're not a big Greater college football fan, Fresno State is a team that can get lost. But the ending, interesting thing about, there's a couple interesting things about Fresno State. Number one, 10-win team last year. That's a big deal. Um, so they're a 10-win team. Uh, they've got Jed, Jeff Tedford as their coach, the old Cal coach, uh, who coached Aaron Rodgers, if you want to be a historian. Um, he got fired from Cal. Uh, they should regret that greatly. Um, he's 60-something years old. I think he's 61, 62 years old right in there. But... This Fresno State team is no joke. Um, they are filled, filled with juniors and seniors all over the field. they got a lot of returning talent. The one place they don't have returning talent is at quarterback. They've got either a sophomore or a redshirt freshman starting. That matters. Um, I don't know. Uh, they have a, their best receiver is a transfer from Boston College who had only 400 yards receiving at Boston College. He started his career at Ohio State. I always quote you two here. Still haven't found what I'm looking for. He's one of those guys who's just trying to find the place to land. 
um, and he hasn't found it yet. But we're going to talk a little bit more about that tonight on the Handsome Hour at right around 9. We'll talk about Fresno State. We'll talk about, I'm sure we're going to talk about college football. If you watch the Week Zero games, one thing I thought was super interesting about those games was there were so many coaches that were the next big thing that never quite got there, or they got there and then they got knocked down for many reasons. You had Rich Rodriguez on there, who Rich Rodriguez got fired from Arizona for making some stupid personal decisions. Um, you had um, the old Minnesota coach, Jerry Kill, and there was one other. Um, and you guys can probably tell me who it is. But very interesting. Um, so it was a very interesting week zero. A lot of games came down to the end, but not a lot of games were all that, uh, you know, didn't have the shine or glitz of uh, a typical week zero. Notre Dame just beat the living hell out of Navy. They started that game by just by running down the field, not doing anything special. And their their quarterback, of course, Sam Hartman from from North Carolina, the transfer. He he's one of those guys who's like I think he turns 26 in a month. Um, a lot like Aiden O'Connell last year, I think, who was 24 for the whole season for Purdue. But he looks like a man out there. Uh, he looks like actually a uh, kind of half ape, half man. A lot of hair. Um, I I don't disparage a lot of hair. I wish I had it. So um, that's about it. Um, but we'll have, a, we'll have a handsome hour tonight. I'm at 21 minutes. Look at that. It's like uh, just as we planned it. Um, but I hope to see you, hear you uh, there this evening. I'll do my best to have internet that works. Um, and, but I can't make, a re- make any promises. For some reason, it, it got really tired in the early evening last week and decided to shut down on me. A couple of you are here live. Really appreciate that. Some of you were listening on, t- on delay. Appreciate that. There's Steve Kendall. Um, uh, my uncle, my brother's godfather, is here, and that's a guy that remembers Mollenkoff. That's a that's a big Purdue fan, um, graduated class of '70. Dick Stillwagon's here. That's awesome. Uh, Dick is also has another alias, but has gone back to that one. Uh, really appreciate him being here. Ted Berkey, good afternoon. Excited for Saturday. Same here, Ted. Sam Lovejoy uh, says, uh, glad we'll get any more coverage from football being back. You're gonna get. Coverage from all sides, I think. Um, and we are excited at Boiled Sports, especially about what's coming. But um, I think it's, like I said, I don't know if my expectations are super high. We'll talk about predictions for the season. You've actually heard my prediction multiple times. I don't keep it secret, but I'm not going to tell you now because I really want to, to draw you in to watching, listening to the Handsome Hour tonight at 9 p.m. Eastern. Uh, Nate Anderson, uh, happy Monday to you as well. Uh, gonna be a good week. And the, boy, the weather outside is giving you a little hint of fall in Indiana. Um, it's dry. It's a little cool. I think it was in the, the fifties this morning when we woke up. I don't think it's going to be at all that way at Purdue on Saturday. I think it's going to be blazingly hot, which is what I expect in an opening game at Ross aid. Um, guys will have cramps, you know, they'll have guys, st- you know, stopping where you're doing the the full leg, uh, calf, and hamstring uh, stretch, it's going to be hot. It's going to be uh, sunny. Um, it's <laughs> us in the stands, all of you and I in the stands, we're going to be struggling to stay hydrated. Hydrate the night before. That's my pro tip. Uh, drink the uh, whatever, whatever your favorite electrolyte beverage is. But, but do it the night before. Um, let's see. Uh, John Younger has says... Uh, yeah, he has quotes, and they're talking about Coach Walters. has quotes, but they're actually good, uh, unlike Fleck. Yeah, they're a very good, very quotable guy. Uh, they're fun. Nate Hostetler's here. Thanks for joining. Um, and um, let's see. 
uh, Dick Stillwagon says, looking forward to a niche this evening. Uh, it's only a niche that I think his, his other nickname is, has something to do with Boiler Ball, um, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, but that's, yeah, I would, uh, I, I always look forward to seeing a niche um, and, and Jay as well. Somebody uh, commented, has Jay slimmed down a little bit? Yeah, he has. Uh, that's, he's been working hard. I don't know what his plan has been to get there. I obviously am not adopting the same plan. Um, I like to stay hearty or healthy uh, just in case uh, I get separated from civilization. I'll be able to survive a bit longer. Jay, though, with the shrinking uh, physique, you know, he's not, he's not quite as hearty for the upcoming winter. I'll be ready. Uh, Zach, 3605, uh, <laughs> how are our balances in the Fleck Bank doing? This is a great question. I think my balance in the Fleck Bank is pretty low because I publicly make fun of him a lot. Uh, I don't know if he reads the Twitters, but um, if he does, my, my balance is really, really low. So uh, thanks to everybody for tuning in. Uh, hope you have a great afternoon. Like I said, it's early afternoon here in central Indiana. It's, uh, it's beginning of the work day on the West Coast. And I uh, hope you have a great day. God bless you. Hammer down. We'll talk to you soon. We'll see you. Hammer down.